Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the mind of some of your favorite celebrities. This is the best of gold mines with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Today we have somebody special on the show. A friend... An amazing talent. Ooh, just a brilliant person all around. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Oh, my God. She's so much thinner in person. Okay. Amy. Sorry. Look, I, I I need to be introduced the way I need to be introduced. Okay. Well, I'll say that next time. But you got to give me a heads Kat. up. Send me a text. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I can't complain, Amy. Actually, you haven't answered my last three texts. What? Well, those because you're texting from my hotmail number. You have oh, my hotmail number. Okay, that's such yeah. a thing. To, that's such a dodge. Yeah. All right. Have the yeah, Kevin's number. not hotmail. Not hotmail. That's good. I'm gonna say that to people. Yeah, oh, you right. must have my hotmail. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the only reason. If you had my other stuff, then you would get me. But you okay. If hotmail. I had your real number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. When somebody's on your podcast, they have to put you on blast for not texting them back. <laughs> I'm I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. How's how's family life? I mean, Jesus, you're married, you're a mom. I mean, it's all the above now. All of right? it. I'm living that life. I am are you a living mom that life? as hell. Yeah. Are you no, loving I'm loving it and living I'm it. I'm loving it? it. No, okay. I'm loving it. I'm I'm annoying. I'm like really like so into it. He's he's almost two. So, mm-hmm. at, you know, that age is like he, he talks with full confidence, but he doesn't say any. It sounds like he's speaking a different jack language. Jack shit. You know? He's saying jack shit, saying but he jack looks at shit. you as if it's as, as if it's something. It's it's it, he uh, yeah. He's pointing. He's you know, and he's not saying anything. And I he has the com- the confidence of a comic actually. <laughs> you know, like he's like everybody should listen to me right now. Like I have something very important to say. Delusional confidence. Like uh, what do comics. you what do you feel has changed most about you? Since marriage, my pussy, since. it's honestly just like <laughs> huge now and just garbage. It's just street trash. Um, yeah, I would say my street trash pussy is probably no, is what's changed? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, like uh, for being a mom, like what do you like everything? You know, I don't go out anymore. I mean, it's also the pandemic, but mm-hmm. I'd be down at the cellar every night doing stand up, and now it's like. If a friend is like, want to meet out at 8 p.m., I'm like, 8 p.m. I'm yeah. sorry. Jesus like, Christ. I mean, you know, that's, you're I mean, I'm not in bed. I'm still, I stay up, you know, but, but you're an animal. 8 p.m. outside your house. God damn, living who, life. Who do you think I am? Yeah. Where are you going? Who, are you Batman? Who hangs yeah. out at the 8 p.m.? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not protecting Gotham over here, okay? <laughs> oh I'm protecting my fish sticks I made for my son. Here's what I mean when I say if things changed, or what do you think has changed most? I mean, you know, you, 
you were you still are you're 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 a household name right oh you can say it i used to be now i'm no 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 i'm just in a series of commercials um, well no you have you do have a commercial (laughs) running right now yes i have seen the commercial you know i at one point did a commercial that you might have at one point said no to can i just tell you i was once offered a commercial i won't Mm -hmm. say what the commercial is i was offered the commercial they go i said yeah sure i'll do i'll sell truly anything you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um you want me in your lawyer ad you want me in your ad talking about personal injuries you got me and they go actually we're sorry we're gonna go with kevin hart and i go kevin's not gonna say yes to this and so when you come back to me after kevin says no don't be embarrassed because i'm ready and that's exactly what happened <laughs> we won't, kevin we is won't gonna say pass on this we he's won't gonna say pass hard on this and i we will won't. be right here <laughs> and don't even say sorry don't even say sorry to me just close your mouth close your mouth and just know that i'm not (laughs) going anywhere i'm ready give me my call time i don't care (laughs) amy you're so fucking great (laughs) you're so great do you feel like motherhood you know has it has it in any way shape or form has it taken away any of the hunger uh of of entertainment of comedy i mean because you know the one thing about being a parent is wanting to be there and right as a as a father, of course, it's different for me because, you know, my wife, she's so hands on. She's so great. I have that. Yeah. I have that partner that allows me the comfort of knowing that my kids are, are getting what they need that they're taken care of. And, you know, when I'm in and out, it's great. It's good for me. But I got the comfort of knowing now you as a mother. Is it different for you? You know, or, or do you and so. your husband have that kind of. Well, bond? He's, I would say Chris is the primary caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um because I do have to be in and out even with, but I haven't been like shooting something gone mm-hmm. for, you know, 14 hours a day since mm-hmm. because of the, this year, you know, so that's about to happen. So I, I've only like had to be out of the house for like a full day, a couple times. So I don't know what that's going to be like, but, I, but the hunger. That? Yeah, I am. I am really nervous about that. I'm like, you know, I, I, it's me. I'm not even worried about my son. It's, it's me. That's worried about like, cause you know, just getting to be with him so much. Um, but I still have the hunger. I'm, you know, I'm about to start filming a show for Hulu and I am, you know, I'm, I created it. I'm directing a bunch of it and I feel very engaged Holy shit. and loving directing? that. Yeah. Good for you, Amy. Have, are Good you directing? You. you know what, man? I, I want to start, but Amy, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of the. Of, of having the to be whole, there early. Yeah. Well, no, not, <laughs> not the, not, I'm afraid of the of the hole that you go in after, because once you have that project, you're stuck with that project for the year. You know what I mean? It's like filming it after right. filming it. Then it's the editing process. But aren't you involved ed- in the, every part of the process for your specials? And yes, I'm, in, I'm involved anyway? in it, but I'm able to still hop in, hop out. I'm involved in it, but I do it in such a way to where I can still. You can still hop in, hop out when you're not in your first movie. You don't want to hop in, hop out in your first movie. Yeah, not your first movie. No, but I I like, you know, if you have like really good support systems, I feel like you can because I feel like you're most likely directing everything you're doing anyway. I know you're not going to say that, but, you know. Yeah, you know, At, at a certain point in your career, you get to a point to where you definitely are more aware of what goes on behind the camera than you once were. And when you are, yeah. you're able to dictate and control. Right. Um, so I think yeah, it makes you a right. better performer too. You know, once you understand all that stuff. People need to know and understand that about you too, Amy. And I want to take a second to just highlight that. Like your level of creative that you put into the things you do. You're, you're, you're a pen to the pad. 
your pen to the pad comic and not just within your stand up, but within the things that have made it to the big screen, within the things that make it to the little screen. You're heavy with that pen to the pad. Yeah. Aren't you like that? Of course. Yeah, yeah. it's because you know what you know, the rhythm, you know, the what's going to work. And also when you're as busy as you, um, you have to be efficient. Mm. You know, it's like, how can we do this the most efficient way possible? And it, that's the thing, like, you know, it, it takes so much energy. So if you if you see a way that something could be done sort of more easily, like you can't keep your mouth shut and just be like, I'm just here to say my lines like you, you know, so it's you know, it's, it's kind of self-serving. Um, but just yeah. how many times have you not listened to your instincts and you go, why? Fuck. I knew that. Fuck. I knew I should have just, I knew it. I should have just listened. Yeah. I like that. You're checking all the boxes, you know, from literature, from television to film, to stand up. you're truly checking all the boxes and you know, you even have your own, your own podcast. It was canceled. Thank you for bringing that up. Who do I blame for that? Keith, Keith Robinson. Absolutely. Keith is a piece of garbage. And I'm glad that finally the world will hear from me. Yes. I blame Keith Robinson. Keith We've been trying Robinson. to get Keith canceled for years now. I don't know why you would even fucking incorporate Keith on your it was fucking a show. Huge mistake. What a what an idiot you are incorporating Keith. <laughs> it's actually really sad. I was like, how can I make my friends hang out with me? It was Rachel Feinstein, Bridget Everett, <laughs> hilarious performers. And, and you know, Keith Robinson, just because we need someone to yell at. No, you get um, cut to the chase. He needs, he needs the work. Okay, that's he what needed Keith it. needed. That's he needed right. the fucking work. He what needs a, piece a damn of paycheck. Shit. He gets paid as a writer on almost everything I do, and he does nothing. He He's does probably, nothing. He we, have to, we have to be honest for a second, just for, for listeners. I don't think that you'll you'll love a person more. Keith Robinson is a He's mentor to me, a fucking amazing guy. He's, uh, my he's done so much for me. And yeah. Amy had him uh, on her on her radio show, which got canceled because of him. Because ultimately. of him. That's right. How long did you guys go? We did five seasons, which Damn. is really weird. I know it was um it was on Spotify and yeah, and they got Joe Rogan's podcast and they told us to go. Um, Go fuck yourself. Belate ourselves right in the yes. corner. We said, thank you so much for your time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. It was a good run. And, uh, you know, but yeah, Keith, I, I, I love he's, you know, he's family. He's a great guy. What do you prefer, Amy, right now? You know, when it comes to when it comes to you and you being your best, is there a preference between television and film right now? Uh, I'm excited about this is my first like narrative TV show I'm doing. So it's mm -hmm. like um. Like, you know, it's five hours long. It's, you know, it's 10 and a half hours. So mm -hmm. I, I well, also do really ma math, really. I think that's, just I think that's a lot. Really quick. That's a lot, Amy, 10 and a half hours. Is that too much time to like look that's, at me in here? Yeah, and that's a don't lot. Don't people want to see this though? They, that's a lot, Amy. Five hours? No. no? Are you sure? I mean, I'm just telling you that's no, a lot. No, people are going to love it. They're going to watch it again. They're going to watch, start it <laughs> right <laughs> over. I know, but that's the thing. Isn't that funny? They made a joke about it. Uh, Amy or Tina on the Globes, they were like, you either are like, I don't want to watch a movie, but then you watch, you binge a TV show for like eight hours. So, you know, it's like Ricky it's Gervais had that show. What's um, uh, Life uh, After Death. Yeah. Or Life After, something like that. That's a Biggie album. You're thinking of I get Afterlife. I get, I get Biggie and Ricky confused all the they time. They are truly Biggie the Smalls same person. Did you watch the doc? I did actually. I did watch the doc. That was that was a amazing. fun watch, right? God, it's, it's actually pretty amazing when you go look at it. Who, and I who? watched, and just as a sidebar, I watched Ricky's show as well. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that with I think Biggie was my favorite rapper. Who's really? who's your favorite of all time? Yeah, 
My favorite rapper of all time. Favorite rapper of all time. Like, uh, you know what? No, maybe of all time. Yeah. But like, I, like, I guess 90s hip hop. 90s hip hop. I'm going to go Biggie Smalls. Yeah, right. 90s hip hop. Yeah, it's between Biggie or Tupac. If you're going Whoa. to time France. Too but political. I shouldn't have brought that up. Okay. Well, we're not here to start a beef. No. That's not what we're about to do. But No, but I will battle anyone. And I, I want to say that right here, right now. If anybody wants to step to me. No, Amy. Uh, no? Okay. Sorry. I'm doing. trying a new persona. You got to keep reinventing yourself, you know? Amy, where did you learn that? Who told I don't, you that? I, I just watched the Biggie documentary. I got excited. Okay. Well, you can't. That doesn't okay, mean I'm you gonna just write incorporate. That down. Don't, no. Don't just tell don't people do to that. step off. Okay. Yeah. Don't tell people that. All right. I got it. I wrote it down. <laughs> stand up. What are you thinking about for stand up right now? I, I mean, don't shit. Know. We're in a fucking pandemic. Know. We loved your special, by the way. Thank I you. you. You wouldn't know because you obviously okay. have changed your number. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, we really, we really enjoyed that. I mean, I'm, I, I was very lucky, very fortunate to find somewhere to work on something. And I was able to, put a hour together and I got excited about the fact that like, oh shit, when we're down, I, I kind of figured out this way to kind of create some material. So I, I, I shot a special. I appreciated it. Was great. It. it was, it was great. And it I was really it. funny. And, and I, I feel like it came right at a time where it was like, we we're like, I was really starving for content. Like I watch everything, you know, like anytime anyone's like, did you see this? I'm like, yes. Like, I, I don't know. My friends are like, why, how do you have so much time? I'm like, from seven to like one a.m., I'm just watching TV, like everything. Um, but no, I we were like looking forward to it and excited. Oh, and you sent out like a gift thing, and uh, and Chris wore your silk pajamas. The pajamas, I remember. Yeah. I remember. That's why I'm asking you right now. Like when? It oh, comes what's to my comedy. deal with stand up? I don't. I did stand up one time this whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. Did a show with John Forte. Where at Martha's Vineyard? It was like an outdoor fundraiser for. Was it a shelter. shit show? Was it like a? Was it like fucked up or was it put together well? Well, it was like 4 p.m. And, okay. um, you know, I, Martha's Vineyard is one of my favorite places where my husband's from. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of people wearing like Ann Taylor and like yeah. drinking a like spritzer. Um, and I opened for John. So John kind of got like the hot spot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he was amazing. Um, uh, and he has a new album, Rhythm Road, Rhythm Drive. Everybody has to listen to. Um, but he uh, but my stand up, it was fun. It was it was fun. And I feel like I have like 10 minutes right now. Mm-hmm. What about you? You just shot I don't have books. shit. You don't have anything. I mean, I don't have shit right now. I don't. I mean, I can't. That's the thing. People go, can you just do 20? You, I don't have it. Me not. Listen, what I have is so bad right now <laughs> that that I kind of don't want. I don't want shit to open up yet because I'm I know I don't know what to do when it does. Like if no, I, if I get nothing. a stage. I don't know what the fuck to do, but I will say this. Oh, I will say this, Amy. Like right now, this is the best time for for us because once we do get to a point where people are going back into comedy clubs, the the need and want for comedy is going to be so real, so big. Oh, so right. I didn't think about that. It's going to be so big. So, you know, you gotta I, have something. I, I think that we're going to get extremely hungry and ambitious once we get a taste of it again. I don't think it's going to be long. Can I tell you like a premise I have in my phone? Yeah, let me hear it. Okay. This is good. Um, this is good radio. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. Um, oh, oh, actually, I want to ask if you've ever heard somebody do this before. This might be like a Seinfeld vibe. Okay. Um, uh, just that like we're old now mm-hmm. and 
you know, how like when I was like, I'm about to turn 40 this year. And when I was younger, it was like, I just thought 40 was so old, mm-hmm. you know, but then you get older and, and then you're like, when somebody dies, when they're 75, you're like, oh, they were so young. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's kind of the premise. Doesn't that okay. sound like it might be a Jerry bit? Well, it doesn't sound like a Jerry bit, but I, it's observational. That's where you're getting the Jerry vibe from. Yeah. And and I think as you get to 40, yeah, the crazy thing about us being 40, like right now I'm 41. And the, uh-huh. the fucked up thing about being 41, we once, you did once look at it as, yo, this older shit. Like you're, you're just over. Yeah. But <laughs> right. once you're here, once you're here, you get this new energy about 40 when other oh, people Oh, no, we're talk in our prime. It. Yes. I believe that. I mean, yeah. for me, it's not not physically because um, I don't even understand what happened to my breasts after having a baby. But I mean, they honestly, Kev, they used to be so high. They didn't, if I laid down, they just stayed there like at attention, you know, and now it's like, it's all over. Are you, are you happy though? Are you still fucking oh, I'm confident? Happy. Are you I'm, still like- oh, yeah. Yeah, then that's Are all you kidding me? I, you know, I believe matters. I have like a super pussy. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure it's below average <laughs> and I have low T. Actually, I, d- I got all this blood work this year because I had Lyme and they were like, you have extremely low T. Uh, do you want to get more tea? They're like, we can give you. And I was like, no, I don't. What do I want tea for? Tea's over. Do you feel like has, has the sex life falling off after the baby or do you still try to? Whenever we do it, do you, are you guys like this? Like, okay, truly we probably have sex every seven to 10 days. That's about right. Okay. And we do it and we go, God, that's so great. Like we need to do that more. And then we don't do it again for another seven to 10 days. Okay. Wait, this is, this happened the other day. So my husband goes, I go, do you want to have sex? And he makes this face. He goes, like he kind of pictured it and like wince, you know, he was like, like imagining um, it. And he made a face kind of like he ate something bad, you know? And I was say, like, um, he's like, mm. he's like, how about tomorrow? And I was like, yeah. great. Thank you. <laughs> I feel really good. But that's Chris anyway, because like during the pandemic, we were, we were like sitting outside and it was like about to rain. And I, I turned to him and I was like, you know, it's, I say, like, even though this has been, horrible. COVID is horrible. This I think has been the best time of my life. And he said, I'm going to go put the windows up in the car, (laughs) you know? And like, that's him. Like, he's just, I'm like, "Uh, what about what I, you know, no. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. What about, that was a meaningful, no, I think it's going to rain. I'm going to put the windows up in the car. My wife told me straight up. She told me I need to get the fuck away from you. She told me like, listen, like not even no laugh behind it. It was it was as blunt as you can say it. Yeah, I she's running the, the house like she has it. Okay, didn't you guys just have another baby? We just had another baby. Oh, but congratulations! I'm, I'm 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 a lot of work too, and that's of what I've realized. Like during this pandemic, I've realized I'm. I'm work like I don't know. I don't know shit. I don't know where shit is. No. I don't know how to do shit. And no. and I got You're like in the one way. Day, You're in the way. Yes. You, you know, I heard myself. I fucking heard myself, Amy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I backed the backer and, and, and I was like, oh, shit, this is bad. Yeah. I was like, hey, babe, what the remote control at to the TV? I, I don't see the remote control. She's like, I don't know. Just look for it. I don't, I don't know where it is. That's what I'm saying. Where, where is it at? And she was like, just it's probably on the couch. So I was like, all right, I'll go look. But that's what I'm saying. If it's not there, then we got to find a control. And then mm-hmm. I find a remote control. And I was like, hey, hey, babe, babe, where did we, them tea bags, you know, the tea, <laughs> you know, the tea that you make with that, uh, that it's not the ginger, Book but the other one, we got more, it. we got more of those. 
I don't know, baby. You he check. hates me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know yeah. where they, you got to tell me. Do we got those or no? Let's see. <laughs> I, but before I, I know, I'm going to get them a check. But I'm saying, do we have them? She's like, look in the tea bag section. Hey, babe, where that blanket? Where, you know the blanket? <laughs> where that gray blanket at? The gray blanket. The one that's got the, you know, the soft one. Not the, not the one that's not soft, but the one that's softer than the one that's soft. You, do you have that? The extremely soft one. Babe, where that where's that one at? I don't know which one you're talking about. The one that I the one that I put on my feet. Where's that one at? Ask the kids. Can you ask them? I'm like I'm so much. Oh God. Fucking work. If if babe, I were him, babe, is the baby up? I don't know. <laughs> go look. You, go, go see. You don't know if the baby. Up? I I don't want to see if you don't know. If you don't know, then I'll just wait. I'll just, yeah. Then I'll just assume the baby's yeah. not up. And Amy, I am so fucking. Oh yeah, much, you're in man. the way. No, I know because it's like they have a system. They're kind of running things, and you come in, and you just. It's like, hey, we're not doing that right now. Like we're not. I just yeah, and I'm like, let's put the TV on. You know, let's show. Like I don't care. Like I'm like, Gene, watch TV. Where the mugs at with the handles? Yeah, I don't want to use the ones that don't have the handles. Where the ones with the handles? This was yesterday. I go. Where's the Parmesan? Where's the Parmesan? He's like, it's in there. He won't come in. I could hear that he's in a standoff with me. It's in there. I'm looking at the fridge. I'm like, and I, I really feel like I look everywhere. He's like, I'm like, it's really not here. And I call him to come in because I want to show him that yeah. I looked and yeah. it's not there. And he comes in and he immediately sees it. And I'm just yeah. like, you uh, have every, yeah, you have every right to leave me. Yeah. I'm sorry for wasting your life. <laughs> You're not even wasting your time. I'm you sorry. You made a poor choice. <laughs> you <laughs> fucked up bad. You, you have committed <laughs> to a fool. <laughs> I I love though. I love that at least we're aware. I think I think yeah. being aware is is half the battle. That's you know a good mean? point. Look how Having we're celebrating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like you gotta listen. No, but it's true. Knowing that, knowing your flaws. Is yeah. what it's about. I know mine. And this is like every every five days I have a talk with my wife and I'm like, hey, I just want to tell you, I appreciate <laughs> you for for just I know that this is I know that I'm a lot. And I and I know that sometimes. What did she say? Did she say I'm going to go put the windows up in the car? No, she like, get the fuck out of my face. Kevin. Yeah, I don't want to hear your yeah. shit. Just leave no. me alone. <laughs> I know. Same here. No. I'm like, I'm right. just hey, just like quick reminder, just checking in. You're a great <laughs> husband, a great father. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I think I'm going to sleep in the other room. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, oh, no, I, they're, they are they are lucky. He's asleep. <laughs> I'm laying next to him. I'm watching reality shows. I'm eating loud, inconsiderate, loud oh, food. Next to, yeah, yeah. No, good for you. Should, good he, for you. And he, he calls you dating. on it. Amy, you, you're smacking. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You're, uh, am and, I? and there's so many crumbs in this bed. I feel like I'm sleeping in sand. <laughs> you know what I did? I went on like a two day, a two day, no wash binge, but it was, it was aggressive. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. It was just aggressive for no reason. I was just like, I was just in the, in like, we got this little theater room and I found a good show that I haven't seen. I think it was billions. Yeah. And you know, billions got like seven seasons. I was on season two straight. Going oh straight. My God. Yeah. It was a project. You were, it was in. a project. I was in it. Yeah, she's like, she just looked me in my face. She's like, you're not gonna wash your ass. I was like, oh yeah, no, 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 yeah. I was just, yeah, I was you're just right. into it. My bad. No, I, I'll do it now. Is it? Is it? Does this bother you? Am I? You yeah, leave. You're about to leave. You're leaving you? me. Yeah. All right. Okay. That suitcase uh, is out. <laughs> it's bad. No. Yeah, and he's like, he reads the newspaper. He does a crossword. Like he does all this, you know. And I'm just, 
Nothing. On the couch. Nothing. Just on the couch trash. with fucking chips in your belly button yep. and, and low breasts. Good for yep. you. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I am living the dream. It's That's like, what I'm talking about, Amy. It's true. Just, every time he answers you, every time you he calls you and you answer, you're chewing a chip. That's mm-hmm. that's that's where you could tell where you are in life. Yep. If you always have a chip. It happened so mouth. fast for him too. Like we got married and then I got pregnant like three months later and I was like sick and he's like like it just, you know, it all just fell apart quick. I had like a, I like had a hot three months with him, you know. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Now back to the best of gold mines with Kevin Hart and his guest, Russell Peters. Today's mine is an amazing mine for so many different reasons. I'm talking to a guy, a guy who I feel has changed, has changed comedy in his own right. And has yet to truly receive his flowers for doing so, which is what we're going to do here on this particular podcast. We're going to give him those flowers. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about my guy, Russell Peters. Russell, what's going on, man? Well, hello, young Kevin. It's great to see you. How you doing, man? Look at you, Russ. I know. It's good I've to been, see you, man. I've, I've been doing all kinds of work for your company, but never with you. So Never with me. Never, I never. Your, I did your uh, breathing exercise show. That's the, uh, you did headspace. You did the headspace. Yeah, I sure I did that. And yesterday yeah. I did uh, Rip, Rip Michael's show. Yeah, yes. And also, uh, here I am today with you. Yeah, yeah. the podcast, this is the good one. This is me and you this right now. We get one. to talk. Yeah, this, this is the real one? one. <laughs> no, they're all good, but this is like the, the good one. Me and you this get is, to really- This is like, you know, buying Amazon and then having Jeff Bezos show up. There you go. There you go. Uh, Russ, did you understand what I mean when I said changed? Change the game in your own right, but never truly got your flowers for it. I mean, I, I sort I sort of understood that. Yeah. Uh, for my listeners, here's what I meant. Uh, Russell Peters has toured at the highest level of touring for a large part of his career. Um, Russell Peters came and smacked the fucking touring industry in the face with numbers that nobody could understand or explain. And so they realized that Russell's Russell's following was so large because Russell's people were coming out to support him in droves because they were so excited to finally have someone speaking about their heritage, their race, their life, and doing it in such a unique way. Now, Russell, I don't want to go too far in depth about that because I feel like that's what you can do. That's what you should do. Russell, when I say that and I say your people, who am I referring to, Russell? Give, give my listeners a, an idea. Well, when I, whenever I hear, when I, when I say my people, I, I don't mean just South Asian Indian people. I mean, it's pretty much uh, what I did was I locked down the immigrant market. Mm. And America, you know, is so fixated on black, white and Hispanic that they forgot that the rest of the country is all new Americans. Mm -hmm. 
And that includes everybody from Russians to Chinese to to Uzbekistan to Indians to Bangladesh to to the Caribbean to everybody else who looks like the rest of America. But when they're at home, they don't sound like America. Mm. Mm. And Russ, at this point, you know, I love that you have it broken down like that, like to, to the it's almost it's almost so specific to where it now makes sense, because, you know, for for me at the time when you were doing these arenas and, and selling out multiple shows, I mean, your numbers were fucking insane. It was like, God damn, why is nobody talking about this? Like that's that. I remember that being like the biggest thing that, that I just couldn't understand. I was like, why is nobody talking about this man's success? Why is nobody celebrating how massive this is? When I heard about you selling out the fucking garden, when I heard about you selling out the goddamn arena in Toronto, when I heard, like when I, Russ, when I tell you, I literally have heard so many stories that coincide with unbelievable numbers attached to your goddamn stage presence. Um, was Before I get into the, to the, to the flowers that I feel weren't truly given and us giving them now was the, was the goal that specific in the beginning for you to target that audience or did it kind of just happen? It just happened. I mean, I started doing stand up in 89 mm-hmm. and when I started, it was just, I just wanted to be a comic. I didn't, I didn't even recognize that I was Indian at that point. I, mm-hmm. First of all, I grew up in the black community. So I already had my identity crisis happening. And then uh, I just wanted to be a comic. I just wanted to be able to work every week and make enough to pay a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would have been just as happy being a road comic that, you know, makes a little two, three grand every week. I'd have been good with that. I would have been like, that's a good job. It's better than what I would have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the goal was never anything. And I remember going to like, well, it must have been maybe uh, around 2000. I was at a at like a at a R. Kelly concert or something in Toronto. And I remember they had half the, the, the Air Canada Center draped off because they couldn't sell the tickets properly for that mm-hmm. show. And I was like, wow, I don't know you can make this place so small. And then I remember going to a basketball game there maybe a week later. I'm going, wow, this is huge. And I just thought to myself, could you imagine performing in front of this many people? And I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do that. It was just like, wow, that would be wild. Can't imagine anybody doing that. And then I did that. But again, it was not like I set out to do that. It just kind of happened. When did you go, oh, fuck, this is this is now becoming a thing. Like, I'm becoming a thing. This is bigger now than what I expected. Well, it's mine was such a slow boil that I'm actually grateful that it took a long time. Because, like, the first time I did a special was in 1995 in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that special got nominated for a Canadian Emmy. Yes, it did. And... um. And I remember the CBC, when they aired it, they started getting an influx of fan mail for me out of nowhere. They'd never seen that before. And this is like, you know, email existed, but nobody was using it yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And girls were sending pictures and stuff. And I was like, what? This is dope. (laughs) And then I I got another special. You know, the funny thing, I'll tell you this, because I was so happy and proud of that special. In 96, I went and stayed with Keith Robinson and Patrice in Woodbridge. Mm-hmm. New Jersey, and I was sleeping New on Jersey, the couch. Wow. And I brought the VHS with me. I go, yo, you guys want to see my special? They're like, yeah, yeah, put it on. I put it on, and it was silent in the room. Mm. And then it ended at 30 minutes, and they, they looked at me, and they go, what the fuck was that? Oh, I go, they gave you a, oh. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, 
I thought they were just kidding. They were like, that was shit. Patrice gave you a good. It was trash. That's what they were like. What's the name of the first special? Uh, it was just it was a, they did a series of comics called comics. OK. And uh, so it was like, I think, eight or ten comics they picked for the year and each got a comics episode. OK, got you. And, but got they you. shit on me. And but that's what changed everything for me, because Keith and Patrice both broke it down as to why that special was trash. Mm. They were like, what was special about that? What makes any of those jokes unable for anybody else to do? It was easy. It was low bar. None of it spoke about nothing. And I was like, wow, what the fuck? I was so proud coming in here. And they just broke me down to make me look inside myself. And it sounds evil, you know, to the listeners. I know that sounds evil. It sounds harsh for people that you call your friends to watch what you just did and you're so proud of and to kind of chop it down. Uh, Of course, I'm no stranger to a Keith Robinson, who is a mentor, brother, uncle, all the above. I call him everything to me. Love him to death. Patrice O'Neill, RIP, the same brother, mentor. You know, these were people that you respected, but they 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 held no they held no punches when it came to attacks and 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 being honest with the reason of why for the attack. You know, I've been told I stink. That shit is stupid. You're not challenging yourself, dummy. You're writing you're writing basic jokes. You're going to be a basic comic. Talk to us when you actually put some work in. Where's your pad? Where's your fucking book? You got nothing stupid. You got it all in your mind because you stink. They told me all of it, Russell. I I totally understand where you came from. Was that a was that a gut punch to you? Like, did it did it fuck you up for a minute? It it did at the moment momentarily. But then. I also knew what they were talking about. In my head, I was like, you know, you, you're just being lazy. Wow. And, and it was kind of like, I was like, I knew I was being lazy. But when somebody calls you out on it and they could see it, I'm like, well, my laziness is getting sloppy. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's, I think that's big. This is the best of Goldmine with Kevin Hart and his guest, Steve Harvey on Sirius XM. Here's the beautiful thing about comedians, man. There's so many different levels to them. So many different levels. You got greats, you got legends, you got you got beginners, you got, I mean, you got first timers. I mean, it just goes on and on. On and on. But on this show, I'll have the privilege of talking to so many. And on today's episode of Inside Joke, I'll be damned if I don't have the privilege of talking to a legend, to a great. I'm talking about my brother, Steve Harvey, ladies and gentlemen. I shouldn't even say brother. My unk slash brother. Brother is disrespectful. I've been calling you unk for years, and there's great reason for the, for the word and amazing definition behind it. Welcome, Steve Harvey, to the show, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, Steve? My man. What's up, little brother? Hey, man, I, I can't call it. I cannot call it, but I'm excited. I'm excited, Steve, because I consider you not only a friend, but I consider you a mentor. And I mean that. I don't just say it to say it, but I really mean that. I've watched the way you've moved and navigated in this business of entertainment. And it is, it's mind blowing. You know, it's, it's school for free. If you choose to take the classes. (laughs) I mean that it's school for free. You have, you, in my opinion, are, the first comedian to truly make this, make this lane a business. Mm -hmm. 
I stand on that. You wow. made it a business and you showed that this business can open up more doors to other businesses and other opportunities, man. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this conversation because I'm not sure how many people know how much of a businessman Steve Harvey is. Um, I guess I start off, I guess I got to start off by, by talking comedy and, and, and just getting your feeling on comedy today. How do you feel about the state of comedy today, Steve? Well, you know, man, uh, it's, it's, it's changed a bit. Uh, it has, uh, I think the young cats out there now that's actual comedians are at a bit of a disadvantage because when I started in 85, uh, it was probably the apex of comedy clubs. You know what I mean? You could go everywhere and get work, man. The punchline, the funny bone, uh, uh, the comedy zone, man. I mean, it was clubs. You could, you could go with on the John Yoder tour for six weeks and never go back home. You could go do the comedy zones, man, for 13 weeks. And you could do Tom Sobel for 13 weeks, 12 weeks, and never go home. One-nighters. And you would do one-nighters Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then you would hit comedy clubs Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And some of these gigs, man, was like 13 hours away. And you was rolling. It was 100 bucks, you know. But it, but you had a chance to perfect your craft on mm. a nightly basis all over the country. Mm. What's happened now, man, is this the lack of comedy clubs and venues and then the addition of social media kind of hurts the young guys today because, you know, somebody tape your show and put it online and now you get there with your set you've been working on for six months and the whole audience just saw your damn show because mm -hmm. they, they downloaded it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the business we in, Kev, ain't like singing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, <laughs> you go see Luther, you go see Jay-Z, you want to hear the hits. Don't nobody want to hear your damn hit in comedy. <laughs> you know, we're we not finna laugh at this the way we did when we heard it. So you got to have new stuff, man. So that's there's the also, I mean, there's also a major, there's a major disadvantage just from the point of, you know, when you talk about social media, you talk about the impact. Of course, there's good, but then there's bad. And for that younger comedian, you know, the younger comedian, your, your, your young set gets taped and it's not a confident you. It's not a, it's mm. not a good version of you and that. That thing mm. gets put out there and the reaction to that thing mm. isn't good. It 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 acts as a blow. A blow yeah. to the ego, a blow to the choice, mm -hmm. uh, a blow to 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 your drive. I mean, mm. you know, those things cause major setbacks. So I definitely understand that. It's crazy that you say you started in 85, you know, yeah. because you started in an era where comedy was really the shit. Yeah, man. This is this is when comedy. You know, when you talk about that that period from eighty five, let's just let's just go eighty five to like ninety seven. Yeah, man. You know, before you got into two thousand, that's when comedy. You know, they, I don't think there were cooler individuals in entertainment. Yeah, you had your singers and rappers, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but but what we were doing, and I shouldn't even say we because this is I wasn't in this group. What you guys were doing was shaping and molding the craft to be looked at differently. Yeah, but Kevin, making it an event. But you were in that, you were in that group, man, that was watching it. 
and you were just making your way. You were just starting out in clubs. Cause I remember you well, man. I said, man, who is this little dude right here, man? That's out here trying these jokes like this. You would stand on the stage with the mic and have your foot on the base, on the base of the mic and just be standing there. And I said, man, this little dude, he got something to him. He, he gonna get there one day because you know, all the rooms that were available were, were just white rooms, you know? Mm -hmm. So you had to have your comedy kind of set a, a little bit up. You know, like, look, man, when I got started, it was just white rooms. I was the first black comedian to go to a radio station in the South. And a matter of fact, it was WBLX in Mobile, Alabama, and go to the radio station and say, hey, man, I'm going to be at this comedy club and we ought to do a black night. And they were just looking at me, but because I was on the Apollo, they said, oh, this dude was on the Apollo. He down here in Mobile. They would let me sit on the radio with them for four hours and promote a show. So I went to the comedy club who used to give out comp passes and I asked them, could we do a radio night? Well, it was 93 BLX. So I said, let's charge them 93 cent on Thursday night. They normally paper the club, which means give out comp pass, and then they just make drinks and chicken wing money, right? So mm -hmm. I got them to let the blacks in for 93 cent. Now I told the white dude that owned the club, I said, look here, man, you gotta get this change for these people because they gonna want they seven cent. If they give you this dollar, <laughs> you know, they gonna want this seven cent. It, nah, it won't be a big problem. The first 15 minutes at the door, they had to go next door to the grocery store to get this change. Because the black people said, you said 93 cents. They not, <laughs> they want that seven dollars. <laughs> they want that seven cent. And, and the dude was catching hell. But I filled the club up on a Thursday night. And that was rare back in the day. Because mm -hmm. you didn't get the full crowds until the weekend because it was such a date night. So I was the first one to start that. And I started implementing it in Atlanta. And then I started doing it in Florida. And I started introducing black comedy nights back in 87. That's when black nights started, man. Jesus Christ. Steve, here's here's the question. Mm -hmm. And this is this is one, this is one for me. I mean, my listeners, of course, you guys get the privilege of of taking this answer uh and running with it as well. But what what I love, what I love to what I love to know when I talk to people like yourself. It's for you. When did you know? Oh shit! I'm, I'm, I'm. I think I'm making it right now. I think this is it. I think this is the definition of making it. I think right now, this is my opportunity to truly blow. What for you? What was that thing that made you say, "Oh shit! It's about to get real. It's about to change." I got you. It was, uh, for me, man, I had been doing it for some years. And because uh, I quit my job abruptly, I won amateur night, October 8th, 1985. I went to work the next day, I won $50. And a girl had took me to this comedy club named Gladys Jacobs. And on the way home, I cried for 40 minutes all the way home. I had won $50 at amateur night, first time on stage as a comedian. She says, why are you crying? It ain't but $50. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm born tonight. I'm 27 years old. This wow. is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. She said, boy, you just got $50. I said, no, you don't understand. I've been waiting on this. I've been talking to God, something, man. Show me something. Give me something because my life ain't nothing, man. I had flunked out of college, man. I, it, I was tripping, man. And so 
when I won that money and I got on the show, I started working. I quit my job the next day. I went to work the next day and told dude, I'm a comedian. Wow. <laughs> Harvey, take your box and go back in there and sit down at your desk and <laughs> stop this foolishness. You're young. You've got family. You've got these two little beautiful girls. Don't do this nonsense. He talked me right back out. I took that box right back in there and set it on my desk. <laughs> and this dude named Russell Middlebrooks, he looked at me and he said, damn, huh? So you're going to let this white boy just tell you that? I said, well, man, I got a family. He said, man, but you funny, though. You won that $50, man. I went back in there, put my box in. I shook his hand and thanked him, and I took out on the road. The first year, I made $3,000. Mm. The second year, I made about $5,600. And the third year, I made about $7,000. So now, I'm homeless because I, no, I ain't got enough money to sustain. Mm. Me and my wife had ran into some problems, you know, because of my decision to leave. I was sending money to the house best I could, but I ain't have much. And so when I sent it home, I didn't have nothing. So I'm homeless. So I got, I sent a tape to the Apollo one night and uh, they called me. And it was like in 91, 92, something like that. And I went up there to the Apollo, broke, didn't have no money. And I won. I met that night, man, in the club, in the Apollo theater was a guy named Dwayne Johnson. Now, it wasn't The Rock. They've written that I met The Rock that night. It went, Dwayne Johnson was a comedian out of Chicago. Okay. I met this other dude named Jamie Foxx. And we were there the first night together. I didn't know Jamie. Jamie didn't know me. 91, we wasn't nobody, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody got booed that night. And I was on the last show. And I went out there and I got a standing ovation. And the dude said, man, you're going to get $750 for performing tonight. We're going to send the check. Now, I'm standing there looking crazy because... I got $35 left, hey, partner. So. I, I, nobody told me that they was giving out checks. I went, hey, man, so I, hey. what you mean you're going to mail it? I'm, I'm, was, I'm right I'm here. I'm confused. I don't think you need to do that. If you want, you can just give it to me. Because <laughs> I'm, right, I'm right here. So I don't think Come on. I, don't, what you I, I can't pay about? taxes on none yeah. of this. What, what you, you mean check? About? I don't have a checking account. Yeah. I'm homeless. How, you give me you? this check. I got to drive all the way to Cleveland to cash it at my mama bank. Partner, this... <laughs> Chuck Sutton felt sorry for me, man, and gave me $750 cash. When it aired, Kevin, I was doing a comedy club. It aired the night I was doing a comedy club, and I was on stage late. It aired. I came off stage. The club owner said, oh, my God, I just saw you on television. You were terrific. And the eye joke was born. I wrote this joke about Mike Tyson. I know that joke. Yeah. When I was talking to you. Yes. Oh, great. That was yes. it. And Kevin, after that, Every comedy club in the country was looking for me. And I said, man, I'm going to make it because I was about to give up, man. And that was a turning point for me. Now, money-wise, I wasn't making it, but mm -hmm. I had the idea that I could at that particular moment. Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a serious XM and Laugh Out Loud radio production. Executive producer, Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil with production by Jordan Cowling.